Before I start the episode introduction, I want to thank Aaron Moore, principal of Orange Element, for being an incredibly accommodating host. After reaching out to Aaron to set up this episode, he offered to host the podcast and work with his team to find designers to participate in the conversation. Before we started recording, he also gave all of us a tour of Orange Element space and talked about Orange Element's design process. Aaron also bought everyone lunch and gave us some great swag, specifically a handmade stainless steel porcelain coffee mug that I'm using every day. So now on to the intro. In episode 62 of Design EDU Today, the podcast celebrates its three-year anniversary. To mark the anniversary, Lauren Spielman and Kelly Stelmick, students in UMBC's graphic design program, take over as co-hosts to ask designers Megan Gilza and Kendall Kiernan of Baltimore-area design firm Orange Element questions about working in the industry. Kelly and Lauren asked a wide range of questions about working professionally, such as what type of skills are necessary for the different types of design positions, what's the average turnaround time on a typical project, and what skills do professionals want students to have when coming out of school. The bulk of the conversation centered around how to work with a client, from interviewing them in the initial discovery meeting to showing process along the way to selling the final design. All aspects of client interactions were covered. Hello, and welcome to Design EDU Today, the bi-weekly podcast series discussing the necessary competencies to be a successful designer in a contemporary, screen-based interactive world. I am your host, Gary Rosance, Assistant Professor of Graphic Design at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Today's guest co-hosts are Lauren Spielman and Kelly Stelmeck, Graphic Design Majors at UMBC, and today's guests are designers Megan Galiza and Kendall Kiernan of the Baltimore area design firm Orange Element. For the listeners out there, can you talk a little bit about Orange Element? What makes you guys stand out from others in the business? What type of client you take on? And what's the typical work that you take on? I know that's kind of a lot. Let's just kind of start with, can you talk a little bit about Orange Element as a company? It's all you. Okay, My so, first day was yesterday. True. So for some context, um, I've worked here for two years, and I also interned my senior year of school. And since I've been working here, we've definitely gone through a really big transformation. I feel like everyone kind of looks at design, and originally you kind of go into it where it's like, I want to do print design, or I want to do branding, or I want to do web design. And the nice thing that's about that – the nice thing about agencies is that you kind of can get everything. So Orange Element, there's really not like a certain market or kind of client that we look for to work with. It's kind of just we see what's out there. We get referred by past clients that we work with or current clients. And it's really just all different kinds of projects. So we'll do anything from designing a new website to rebranding a company 
that eventually leads to websites or publications or magazines. So I feel like I'm kind of just talking about nothing at this point. But so it's kind of really just whatever comes our way, really. We don't have a specific niche that we look for as far as like clients and the kind of work that we do. So it's kind of like full service is what you're saying. Yeah, like one thing that's really cool about working here that I've noticed is that if we aren't necessarily experts in a field, we don't pretend like we are, but we know that we have the ability to learn and it's a very fast paced environment. So if there's a kind of project where Aaron or Nicolette or someone will be like, Kendall, we need you to figure out how to code this HTML5 banner. And it's like, I don't have experience as a developer or coder, but I'm like, I can figure out how to do it. And that's something that's been really cool about working here is that you're kind of forced to learn, but it's also like a super helpful thing because it's the next time it comes around, we'll feel more confident in taking on projects because we know that we've learned in the past and we could accomplish the goal of the project. So did that answer the question yeah, at all? How do you like, if you don't know something, mm -hmm. how do you communicate that to who you're working for? Like not within the company, I mean the company that you're working for. So it's kind of a little bit of, I don't know how to explain this in an appropriate way. So you know how, this might not be allowed to be said. So you know how in school, like, you kind of have to BS a little bit? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not saying that we do that with clients because obviously it's a more professional environment, but it's kind of like you it, sell it in a way where... Like if you know you can figure it out. Yeah, you, kind you of, sell it in a way where you're not necessarily an expert in it, but you're like, oh yeah, we can totally get that done. We have a lot of partners that we work with. So like a lot of our websites and things that require like coding or development or anything like that, we'll say, oh, we have partners that we w work with on a regular basis to get these things done. It's just, if you think about like in a job interview, you're kind of selling yourself. So if there's like, I mean, if there's a skill that you know that you can't pick up or that you just don't have, you're not gonna lie and say that you do, but if it's something that's like, you know is within your reach, you kind of like sell yourself a little bit because you're yeah. you're trying you to like it. build a, right, you exactly. Know you know that you can get yourself there yeah. and you're trying to, you know, make a sale, build a relationship. That's that's way better than what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So you say it in a way that doesn't diminish the like confidence. Right, you wanna to be confident, but you don't wanna commit yourself to something that you aren't sure you can accomplish. Yeah. And the thing that's nice about our industry, like I was saying, like there are partners and that's not like, that's not an uncommon thing to have happen. Like if right. it's something that's- A developer or an yeah. illustrator or something like that, because especially somewhere like this that is pretty small, mm -hmm. you can't do literally everything. So mm -hmm. I think that that is pretty standard to have those connections. Yeah. Now, are, are there other job titles and positions besides just a basic designer that are available to those with a design background that might not be very common to students? You know, because normally, like when we're in school, we think, okay, I'm just I'm going to be a graphic designer. But like, what is like what is that? Like what what job titles are really like out there? Like maybe something along of like conceptualization or uh, strategy. Well, I've definitely seen a lot of graphic designer. I mean, as a, especially coming off of a recent job search. Um, but some one of the other ones that I was coming across a lot is product designer. And to me, that would mean like industrial design and products. But actually what they're talking about is like interfaces and applications 
Um, so when like these product design listings, their job descriptions are asking for people who are going to develop like apps um, and right like and do the interfaces for like mobile. So that's one that kind of I, I think is related to graphic design um, that I've seen a lot. I don't know, have you seen other stuff? I think what you'll see is like you'll see a lot of graphic designer, but then it depends on the company that it's for. Like you have to read more into it and see like what the responsibilities and the roles are because some it could all be graphic designer for five different jobs, but you would be doing completely different things at each job. Like some you would only be doing magazines for them or some you would only be working on their web design team. So I think graphic designer really is a broad term and then it's kind of just based on like the roles and responsibilities of each company. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of like, you can be more specific to one role or it might fall under multiple categories that you might be responsible yeah. for. I think it also, like Kendall was saying, kind of depends on the company and that like, if it's a company of designers, they might be more specific and like say, mm -hmm. you know, product designer or like kind of narrow in on that niche. But if it's a company, like if it's in-house for someone or if it's like, I don't know, people who aren't like designers and speaking design language, you're probably going to find, you know, graphic designer or even just designer. And then the job description is going to tell you all that stuff. Basically what Kendall just said. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking also like along the lines of like how we were talking about earlier was uh, branding and that sort of uh, marketing strategy. Is that just kind of also uh, part of the graphic designer's job, like typically here at Orange Element or... Is there something, someone kind of specifically in that role? So as far as marketing strategy, that's kind of its own thing because marketing, in my opinion, is a completely different thing from the actual design process. Mm -hmm. So if it's anything that's strategy-based, there are strategists, but I think that's a completely different degree and field of study. As far as branding, I think like we were saying, it kind of goes along with whatever company that you're working for. Like if you're working in-house, you're not necessarily going to be responsible for branding because you're already working within a brand of an established company. A cool thing about working at an agency is that we can bring, like we can work with companies to brand them. And that's something that wouldn't necessarily be offered at an in-house opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I don't know in my mind, like marketing and branding aren't two totally separate processes because if you're going to go back to like the very beginning of branding a company, you're looking at things like their audience and like what their goals are and maybe like how you're appealing to their audience and like these types of like, there's a little bit of strategy strategy that would go into like creating a brand and like what that personality is and what the, and that will inform the aesthetic. Um, but those are, like the strategy process on a branding level, I think happens first. Yeah. Um, but then like on a, on a day to day, like if you're not kind of like going in this all encompassing like brand endeavor, um, the marketing strategy kind of happens on one side and the design things kind of happen on the other side. But I think strategy is kind of always informing mm -hmm. the design. It's also interesting because I feel like people, like when you think about a, a studio like this and like even like from a client's perspective, they think that branding is like the main thing that you do all day every day but I feel like that's really not the case like there's so much more work to be done for clients within the, their existing brands once they already have them yeah and I, I feel like something that happens a lot too is that clients will come to you with a brand and they're like how can we refresh this brand to make it feel more modern so they're kind of 
attached to maybe their logo or to their brand colors or something like they don't want to completely change their brand but with how the market is changing so rapidly nowadays and there's so many different design trends companies are trying to figure out how can i keep my original brand but also push it into something that feels like it's current and modern i feel like Mm -hmm. that happens way more often than we don't have any logo we have nothing Let's We're see brand what you got. Like, yeah. 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 Especially too, because a lot of like startup companies don't have a lot of money. So a lot of the time they'll go to like a freelance college student or something and they'll be like, we need a logo. Or so that experience just daughter. Like that. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of that that goes around too. So you're kind of working with that sometimes. So it can be a process. Now for the design projects that you work uh, with clients, what's the average kind of turnaround time for those from start when you're meeting the client to the finished product so it really depends on the type of project there are times where a client will come to us and they'll like we need this two weeks from now or we have this event coming up we need a brochure or a booklet or something in the events in two or three weeks that's not really the most common i feel like a lot of the time there is a lot of build up as far as us gathering information us like we'll do interviews like gain as much information about the project as we can and then even like from that initial meeting to concepting is usually like a couple week process and then the design depending on how many rounds that you're going through can be weeks it can be months it really just depends on the kind of project that you're on yeah it definitely like the scope of the project and also like the client you know, some clients yeah. have a lot of other stuff going on and are going to take longer to get back to you with like reviewing things and like their revisions and things happen. So projects that maybe like you wouldn't think would take that long do wind up taking long. But then on like the other side of that, when you have existing relationships with clients, they'll come in and be like, oh, like we need this web ad. Can you turn it around really quick? And since like you have an existing relationship, you know their brand, like that stuff can happen pretty much on the fly. So most of the time the client kind of gives you the deadlines and you kind of work within them or? Usually they have a certain date that they need it complete by. And then, so we kind of will build the schedule backwards. So we know we need a certain amount of time for printing. We know we need a certain amount of time for development. And you kind of just, you start from the end date and then you figure out how to make it work within the time that you have. How do you know if, how do you get the developer? How do you get their estimate on something that's that abstract at that point to work back from? So that is a good question, but neither Megan or I are really involved in that process. I will, I, I don't know if yeah. we'll be able to use this, but I actually, I was freelancing for two years before I took this job. And when we would try to, I worked with a couple developers and when we we're kind of like budgeting that stuff out, basically based on past experience, like if you know sort of the scope of the project and you know how much time you have, like, you know, the developer can look at it and say, yes, I can do this. No, I can't do this. This is what it's going to take. Now, do you guys have a in-house developer or do you outsource? We have a couple different developers that we work with. We don't have anyone in-house right now just because our project range is so broad. We don't really have enough web-based projects to have someone here full-time. Now, when you're doing the projects, what programs do you use most often on a day-to-day basis? Like, 
in design, Photoshop, Illustrator. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the basics. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Is, there's not, nothing else besides the normal like Adobe ones that you normally reach to? Um, I dabble in After Effects. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's really any like hidden programs in like the professional world that we're using. I think it's more just figuring out the different things you can do within InDesign right. and Illustrator. Like almost every day I learn something like new that I didn't know you could do in InDesign or mm-hmm. something like a new effect you can create in Illustrator. But for the yeah. most part, it's the basic program. Yeah, the only other one that comes to mind would be like Sketch or Zeppelin or like a like prototyping tools, which mm-hmm. I think feel like we don't use that much. Mm-hmm here but they're on our radar and you know people professionals use them okay well that's good to know just coming from a student perspective you don't want to go right into the industry and be like oh we're all using this <laughs> like, yeah no you've got to you it. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah you're like what okay <laughs> now uh what habits or skills are good to learn in order to be a successful designer in the business Broad question. <laughs> um, yeah like what what are some things that when you were a design student you wish you learned or picked up that was very applicable to the business world? Do you have something that comes to mind? Yeah, but not like specific design skills, more mm-hmm. just like general. Well, like, this is kind of like just general like skills or behaviors, like habits. Sure, like time management. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say too. Um, and also like the ability kind of figuring out how to navigate the situation when you don't know something like knowing when to put time into figuring it out yourself and like when you when you're not going to be able to figure it out yourself and you need to ask someone for help or even being able to say like I didn't understand that or I need more direction like learning how to say those things to people and be comfortable with that I think is a pretty big one like going from school into professional environment so where you, learning to reach out when you need it right and to be comfortable with that and like yeah. not necessarily knowing everything all the time I think something too that's huge is like in school your projects are yours and like you're getting feedback from your professors but it's not they're kind of going at it in a way where they're just trying to get you to do the best design and working with clients they have a vision for how they want their company and their brand to be represented and as designers we're like oh we can make this super badass magazine or annual report that really represents your brand but in like a new and cool way and you get really excited about it and you kind of present these concepts that are beautifully designed and you feel really great and passionate about and they come back and they're like this isn't on our brand or this isn't what we were wanting so something that's huge that I've experienced a lot is just not taking things personally you don't like sit at your desk and cry about the fact that they didn't like your concepts you just have to look at it as they have in mind what they want their brand to look like and how they want their company to be and you just kind of have to get on board and look at them as you're not fighting against the client you're a team and you have to figure out a way to still be giving them the best designs that they can get while also representing their vision because it's not only just your vision which is kind of how it is in school you can kind of just do whatever and have good type and layout and grid and all of that but you're not really dealing with like the client's vision as well so yeah well we've actually had a couple projects in classes where we have had to work with clients and you know some of them fit better with what the client was looking for than others even though one might have been way better design overall but uh, I think that's something that come just probably comes up a lot is it 
No, that that's for me as an educator. I'm, I love the way you phrase that because as an educator, right? I'm trying to make I'm trying to help students make the best work they can. The client is not trying the same thing. Yes, they want the best work, but they don't want it in the same way. So that's a that's something I think educators can actually kind of just put on a different hat a little bit oh, yeah, to critique from the perspective of a client. You just, yeah, you just made it really clear for me. Sorry. Yeah. Like, we want to do the best design, but it also has to be what the client wants and what the client... Well, I want to make you a better designer yeah. where the client wants to make a better design from their perspective. Exactly. Yeah. And it's hard, I think, starting out when you have to be forced to deviate from your own style when your style is still being developed, like when you're in the education process. Like you don't necessarily know like this is my thing, this is like my niche and like having to change that, sorry, uh, for somebody else. It's hard. Yeah, branching out of your comfort zone to really work within a brand's field is kind of it's difficult to learn as a student but I think I think uh, educators could do more exercises that um, involve like let's say they give an example of a client the goals and some style references and then maybe every class do like a 15 minute kind of like that's really true like not necessarily like I know that when we work with clients it's really helpful but in other classes, we've had projects that weren't really, like you could tell what the goal was and what skill it was building, but it wasn't necessarily applicable to you know real world experience. And like being able to develop that goal that they want us to learn while also, you know, having that experience, I think that would be yeah, really and also kind of pushing you. you know? I was just thinking that like that there's like Kendall said, it's a really good way to look at it that you and the client are a team together because sometimes it's really easy to get even like disheartened but caught up in like their pushback or them wanting something. Well, and like you you might think like say the option they're picking or the direction they want to go, you don't think it's the best one. Mm -hmm. And there's like that line between, you know, giving the client what they want and it's at, at the end of the day, it's their end product, but you know, you're putting your name on it or, you know, the company is putting their name on it. So there's that line between giving them exactly what they want and not giving them something that's bad design and so like knowing when to push back and when to sort of like it's the give and take i guess what i was wondering is how you go about that communication especially when like they want a certain thing and they think that one element of design is going to help them achieve that thing but really it's doing the opposite like they want a modern design but they also want this typeface and that's like doing the opposite of what they want. How do you go about like communicating that? Sometimes it's as simple as just showing them. Like if you, I mean, there's, you know, you can explain it and you can say this and that, but sometimes if you put both of them in front of them and say, this is doing this and this is doing this, like we think this one is better and this is why. Um, I mean, sometimes that's just the most straightforward way to go about it. And we have, you know, our design director, Andy, like he, has been doing this for so so long and you know like they you learn like, how to interact with clients and how to you know say that to them in a way that it's they'll like right they'll <laughs> under, that they'll understand it and mm-hmm. that it comes across well and that hopefully they are seeing your side and then you know that give and take happens and you can 
I, I would, you know, the example that you gave, like if someone's very attached to a certain typeface, I don't, that, sound, that sounds like a really enjoyable client to work with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <Is> kidding. That... <laughs> now, this kind of leads into another question that I had. Um, let's say at a place like this, is there a person who uh, handles the uh, contact with the client specifically, or is the, are the designers talking directly with the client? So the structure here is we have Nicola and Andy who are design directors, and they basically lead projects with specific clients. They each kind of have their bucket that they work in as far as their clients. And then, so they're receiving, they're doing most of the communicating with the client as far as receiving feedback and doing presentations. And then they're kind of like the liaison between the client and the designer. So Andy will have a conversation, he'll receive the feedback and everything that the client has to say. And then Andy will meet with me or Megan and kind of just give us the rundown of everything. There are certain clients where the designers are more involved just because over time, if it's like a bigger project, like one of the magazines that I'm on, I am meeting directly with the client each week just because it makes it a lot easier for that back and forth for something that requires that much communication and just like little edits here and there. So there are certain types of projects where you're in direct communication, but for the most part, it's kind of the directors talk to the client and then the directors talk to us. Mm -hmm. So if it's more of an established relationship, it's more designer to client, whereas if they're bringing in maybe a new client or they're not as familiar, then it's more of the director to the client? I wouldn't say it's based on the extent of the relationship. It's more just on the type of project. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say that your, like her magazine project is more the exception. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely less common for the designer to be speaking directly with the client. But that's also just how it is here. I'm not sure how it is at other and also, companies. Like or... after a presentation or if we're like receiving feedback or something, like we'll sit in on a call sometimes and like mm -hmm. be able to like hear the feedback directly from the client. But just, I think it makes it easier like on the client side to not like there are a lot of people on our end like working on all the things and for them to have like one point of contact yeah. that they're going through and one person organizing like all the edits and the feedback and stuff like that, I think it simplifies the process. So that kind of answers actually a question from earlier about like different job titles and positions. So a design director would be another job with a person with a design background that is kind of working in the field then. But I think that those positions have like evolved from graphic design. Right. Yeah. Like Andy and Nicolette were both designers. They started at yeah. that and that's kind of where you can get Right. And that'd be them. almost like, you know, comparable to a senior designer or, you know, some, something like that. You're kind of just climbing the ladder and graphic right. designer is kind of your entry point and then where you mm -hmm. want to go from there is kind of up to you. Some people might not want to be in the director leadership role because you don't, you're not doing as much hands-on actual designing. It's a lot more like how you mentioned conceptual thinking and things like that. That's definitely more in like the director status but if you just love being a graphic designer and that's what you want to do like there are ways to grow in that position as well, but it kind of just depends on what your goals are as far as your career. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Specifically, I, I'm th thinking about there are people who just love to just sit there and make buttons. I'm going to say just, you know, like UX, UI buttons or just sit there and, and make layouts and do not care about the all they care about is the visual. And there's other people who like do the strategy. So you talk like a little bit more about like those two different kind of options? Yeah, I think 
speaking about me personally. Yeah. So I'm just graphic designer, but I know that me personally, I would love to be in a director role someday just because getting to work with Andy and Nicolette and seeing how like the conceptualizing works and how it is to interact with clients and be able to like also teach younger designers. Like that's something that really interests me. So I know that that's something that I want to work towards. But I also know that there are people who, like you said, just love designing and they would be perfectly content with that if they could do that forever. But it, I think I think it comes down a lot to like personality types too. Like certain people just don't want to be in leadership roles and that's not necessarily wrong. It doesn't mean you want to you don't want to grow in your career. You don't care about it. It's just like that's your personality and that's what you know will make you happy. If that answers the question at all. Do you have anything to add about that? Yeah, I I'm trying to think of like how you'd like the growth process on just like the design side, like if you're like really interested in just the visual. And I don't know that that's, there's really like that you really stay with just like just the visual without considering the conceptual. Like I think that if you want to design things forever, you can do that. But I think that as you like advance, you have to like incorporate the conceptual. So like you could maybe be the person who does both. Like I'm thinking about like the architecture of this thing and the system and how it makes sense and then also doing it and designing it. But I don't, you know, like yeah. I just like for the span of your career taking conceptual direction from someone else, I feel like that isn't giving you much room for growth. Yeah, or maybe you go from a situation where you're a designer in a position where you have directors who are kind of guiding the projects and then you maybe work your way to a company where you're the sole designer so you are making those decisions you're not necessarily directing other designers but you're kind of like directing yourself and you're making the decisions for yourself in the designs so yeah I mean like I feel if you're taking away like that sort of conceptual decision making process it's almost like being an illustrator or you know some like because even like even when like if you just want to sit and make buttons and you like making attractive buttons, you know, that's that's great. But even like it's even though we're not design directors, we're still like taking in the system and you know like all of these conceptual like rules and all of these things. And I feel like you that grows like as you keep doing it. You know, did that make sense at all? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we go. Okay, so. What I was wondering is about some of the annual projects and like how that works. I don't know if any of you worked on one. I know that that was a thing. Um, but I guess I just want to know, like, do you keep in contact with the company throughout the year to maintain like an understanding of their developing content? Or is it like a yearly meeting that you do? Hmm, that's a good question. So for one, for example, so I've been the lead designer for the past two years for the annual report that we've done and it's kind of like you have an understanding where they come to us in October or September and they're like all right we're ready to kick off the annual report here's where our brand's at here's what's happened over the past year here is what we're envisioning let's see what we can do with that so something that was really cool that happened with one was they used to have this really like down and dirty on the ground, like super textured, super organic style for their design. And this year they came to us and they were like, 
based on how this past year has been with the political environment and just where we see our brand going, we want to do something that's completely different. So for the years up to that, they were kind of developing their brand further and further into this like really like rugged and in the ground like kind of brand. And then this year they were like, we want something completely new, super clean, black and white, like let's run with it. So it's kind of like when they come to you, they already kind of have in mind because they were experiencing it, obviously. So they already kind of have in mind what they're envisioning for this year. Sometimes it's the same as what it's been in the past, and sometimes it's different. It's kind of just depends on the company and the environment of the year. And I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> um, okay, so how do you identify the traits that are most essential to the brand, like an interview process? Um, that you like want to emphasize to better their business like are you talking about when you're doing like a branding project yeah yeah or like, so, like a project in general yeah like in a branding project specifically like when you're talking to them do like if like how do they point that out to you how do they identify the traits that they want you to show off the most so in the past um, as designers, we're not really part of the discovery process, but um, Aaron and Andy and Nick Glenn, whoever's on the project, they'll go and they'll have interviews with everyone, everyone that kind of like plays a significant role in the brand or in the company, even people who like have nothing to do with design or marketing or anything, but have been with the company for a long time and just like really understand how the company appears to the outside world and how they're their audiences and everything like that they'll go and they'll just talk to them really about the company and get a feel for it like is it a super high-end luxurious brand is it something that they want to appeal to the everyday person so they'll just conduct interviews and they'll talk to all these different people for hours and hours and then they kind of come back and they collect they see where there's overlap between people and see like they kind of find the common theme and the common traits that were used to describe the company and then we kind of just roll from there. So you kind of do your own background research and not not just letting the client tell you what they think. Yeah. Specifically from one source. You kind of do like your... You talk to them in like a broader way. So you don't talk to them like, well, what do you want your logo to look like? Or what colors do you think represent your company? It, you kind of go at it as you get a really good understanding for the company as a whole and everything they stand for and all their values and their products and everything that really makes the company who they are. And then you figure out a way to either develop their brand, their existing brand more towards something that aligns with their vision or you just are starting completely from scratch based on the things that you understand about the company. Right, like there are gonna be things like their audience and their company and like all of these things that go into it and I just think in general like non-designers and designers idea of like what a brand is is going to be a little bit different so like mm -hmm. the client is obviously going to tell you like these are our core values and like these are things that like we're thinking about and like what's important to them and stuff like that but then like Kendall said in this broad view like there are things that as a designer you would probably hone in on that is like kind of beyond what they so I think it's a little bit of both like both of the things that you said like yes like having the client tell you like what their brand is to them but then also you know all of the digging beyond that 
So kind of finding the key words that give you a direction as a designer to, to kind of dive in. Yeah, and like you'll have people who are like, well, my favorite color is blue, so I want blue to be part of our brand. And you're like, and you're like, okay, we can do that, but let's figure out a meaning. Let's figure out the reason for this blue or right. like, how it represents something more than just like, oh, well, I like blue. Like we had this one client where um, his favorite color was lime green. And it really did not have anything to do with their brand at all, but they were so set on this lime green. And so we kind of just had to be like, all right, how can we make this make sense for their brand? So you will have times where you're getting direct design direction, but then other times there will be people who he'll tell you a story of when he was interning at the company 20 years ago and why he still works there. So it's like, it's really, it just depends on the kind of people and the opinions and some companies totally trust you as an expert and some companies want more hands-on, want to be more hands-on in the process. So it really just depends. Yeah, and there are also, like as a freelancer, when you're kind of like interacting with these people one-on-one, like you'll get something like people tell you, what they like and what they don't like and it's a little bit harder to have those conversations because you don't have like the weight of an agency behind you but one of the things that I like read somewhere and found really useful is like trying to steer it in terms of like well how does this like serve the goal or accomplish the goal like not do you like it like do you like blue is it your favorite color but like how is this serving like this common goal that we've established and like evaluating things in in that way kind of like ask framing questions in that way because a lot of like the responsibility falls on the designer who's like doing the research to like ask questions the right questions and in the right way to get answers that are useful to you okay so i had an internship experience i don't know if you will be able to speak on this because kind of a specific experience but you know we'll see um so at this company the direction of the company itself was kind of unclear, which meant that the direction for the logo design itself was unclear. And so this was a major concern that we faced and ended up we didn't complete the logo because it was so unclear. So do you have any advice on how to approach that situation and like understanding more, facilitating that conversation? There was a logo for a company that didn't know what it was doing no okay so there was an original logo they didn't know anything about the history behind it they didn't know anything like it was kind of a startup they only had a few people working for them and they didn't have a clear idea on what they wanted to do like it was a, they knew it was a security company of course they knew what they were doing but they didn't know what the direction of the logo they didn't know what they wanted to represent okay. that's what i'm trying to say does that make sense I don't know. I think in situations like that, maybe you just have to take some risks and show them maybe two completely different ends of the spectrum and see what people react to. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's the time where you as the designer say, well, this is what I think we should do. This is what I think makes the most sense for the direction that we want to go. Like, sell yourself as an expert. And, Make right, some like, design decisions and explain why you think that it's valid and people will either react positively and then you move forward or if they react negatively, you know what they're not looking for. Sometimes a huge thing is showing clients what they don't want so that way 
it kind of helps them figure out what they do want. So if they're responding to things and they're like, oh, well, I don't like that. So you know, okay, maybe let's try something that's the complete opposite of that and see how they respond to that. So it can be a little bit of a painful process, but I think it's a good discovery opportunity to see. Because some people like have trouble visualizing things too. And as the designers, we can like, you and I can have a conversation back and forth and figure out what a logo would look like without even having to sketch it. But a lot of people can't think visually that way. So a lot of the times I think it is you just show them either what they do want and what they don't want and you kind of just keep moving and evolving from there. That's really funny because it's it just, it sounds really familiar because that's, reminds me of what I do at my job even though it's completely different thing. I'm just, I'm a retail manager and I work at a, um, a boutique store and a lot of times we have special occasion shoppers. I know it's kind of off topic, but they'll come in and they're like, okay, I need an outfit for a wedding. And I'll be like, they'll be like, and they have no idea what they want to wear, like no direction. But kind of, we kind of ask them guiding questions first, like, is it casual? Is it like elegant? And then like, what to fit? And then I'll show, like, they don't know. I'll show them two different outfits. Mm -hmm. And like, what do you like about this? What do you not like about this? And kind of hone in what they're saying to like actually guide a new, like what they actually want if they don't know what they want. I know completely different from, well, different the process design, sounds really the, similar the process <laughs> is like literally i'm just like am i at work now like what is this because even if people don't know what they want people will definitely tell you what they do not like and that at least gives you something to go on based on that so. yeah like you, you can tell yeah like <laughs> even if they're not saying it you can look at someone's face and see whether or not their eyes are lighting up and love it or they're like totally confused and hate it like you can yeah. definitely tell by reading people so. yeah you can just at first glance I think that's one you kind of have to go through. I mean, you went through it, but I mean, I went through the same thing where I was working on a, designing a logo for a, a mental health firm and I was just starting out and so I totally mismanaged that. I just like, oh, here's this, here's that, here's this, here's that, and ended up not going with anything, but then some other firm came in and just did a simple little logo type with the initials and you ran with that. And it wasn't anything exciting, but because they knew how to direct the client, yeah, that's that's what he went with. Yeah, looking back, I would do so many different things. Like it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I have uh, one more question, but I'm pretty sure we already like established it several times. I don't know what you think, but how do you go about engaging with customers to get a better understanding of the brand you're designing for? Well, I think just like more, can you like be more, a little more, you talked about it, but like what does the physical process look like? As far as creating a brand? How do you go about engaging with customers to get a better understanding of the brand you're designing for? So like what does it sit, what does that meeting look like kind of? Like when you sit down with them, when you're trying to fish all this information out from them? Yeah, so, I mean, Kendall said it before, as designers, we're not really, like, directly involved in that process here. Um, I mean, my branding experiences with my freelance clients have been kind of a nightmare due to really short deadlines, and so the process is has been, I don't know, not, as, not how I would do it ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I think as far as 
working with an existing brand, you kind of just do your research and see what they've done in the past and kind of just build on that. Like a lot of big companies will have brand guides. Some are super specific and have really strict rules and others are like, well, here's some logos or here's some colors and some type and kind of just have a free for all. So I think it's just doing your research and kind of seeing like the strictness of the brand and also just what they've done in the past. And also like how I spoke to one, just the climate of the company and how they're feeling about that year or what's going on and how kind of how they want to portray themselves. Now I have kind of a larger question. Uh, it's a little bit more specific to you as individuals. What, what would you say is the most important thing that a design student should know when coming into the business? Like what's your, like the first thing that pops to your head? Like, I wish I knew this. I guess one of the things that immediately comes to mind is just like, and as design students, you're probably already getting this. So I don't know if it's like walking in being like, Oh, I wish I had this, but just getting really comfortable with criticism and like mm -hmm. learning how to use it constructively and not take it personally. Mm -hmm. And like Kendall touched on it a little bit earlier, not getting married to like a concept or a design so that you're going to be like, right. Like that you are like resisting moving away from it. Those kinds of things. I think are really important. Is there anything else that was kind of like, I don't know, like a big slap to the face when you like <laughs> first started? Well, I think the biggest thing for me, it's kind of funny, like I feel like we joke about this, but when you're in school, you're like, this is going to be so awesome. Like this is going to be, <laughs> I'm going to try something as possible. We do. We talk about it all the so time. So you're like, oh yeah, like design, I'm going to be in the creative industry. It's going to be so fun. We're going to be super creative and doing these like really cool brainstorms every day. And it's going to be like the most fun job ever. At the end of the day, it's a nine to five or a nine to 10 or whatever situation you're in. It's a job. And you kind of have to understand that jobs aren't always going to be the most fun, but that you have to figure out a way to like remember why you chose design in the first place and why you chose this industry in the first place. So you kind of have to make it like the creative, fun job that you want it to be while also understanding that it really is a job and it's just... Right, like sometimes the client's going to pick the worst option or... And you kind of just have to put your head down suck. and do it. Yeah, yeah like... like I think that was like the biggest thing for me, even just going from like internship here to full-time designer, like as interns, you're a little bit guarded and you're kind of on the more fun projects and you get to kind of be more creative. And then eventually when you're full-time, they're like, all right, we need these 20 different direct mail pieces and they're all going to pretty much look the exact same. And you're going to be working on this for the next three weeks. And you're like, okay, that's fine. Just got to take it and run with it and do the best you can. And take the opportunity when you are getting the really fun creative projects to really like let that like kind of fill up your cup because you know you're going to have stuff that just like completely drains you and makes you forget why you even wanted to be a designer in the first place so I think that was like the biggest thing for me this is not as big or good as what Kendall just said but my <laughs> other sort of piece of advice my undergrad degree was in English creative writing and I cannot tell you how many times like potential employers or clients or whoever are like so impressed and thrilled to find someone who has writing skills. And so even if it's like through the avenue of learning to like write and speak 
about your work, like developing some good solid communication skills will come, it will be so like indispensable, whether it's in communicating with clients or presenting work or just like in being able to talk about your work or being able to like, you know what, I can whip up some copy for that. Like whatever it is, having developing some good writing skills that you can, you know, put on your resume and whip out is was is huge. Or even like email etiquette, which is something right. that you don't think about, but like all of our communication with our clients for the most part is through email and knowing the difference between there, there and there. And like things like that are huge. Yours. Like it's like little things like that that as a designer you're like, oh, well, I'm a creative. Like I don't have to have the best grammar in the world, or I don't have to be able to communicate the most clearly. But at the end of the day, like Megan was saying, like communication's huge regardless of the industry. Yeah, and I mean, I even like if you have the best design ever, if you can't explain why it's good, or like, and you can't communicate about it, like, like even like you said, like if you can't speak with your client, or you can't direct them in the right way, or you can't sell it, like, you're that's the design of it is only half of it when like in the real world at a real job where you have to like convince someone to use your work yeah it's it's a good skill or if there's a word spelled wrong on a presentation and someone notices that is all they are going to look at and that is all they are going to think about the entire time so it's like little things like that that are just super important that you want to think necessarily are yeah i did that i I didn't even do it i took a quote from somebody who misspelled something in their quote and I didn't check their quote to put the little SIC after it to say like this was a direct quote and that's all they talked about yeah. it's like, oh, oh my god you want to be like I'm so detail oriented I promise like I didn't mean it but yeah they're not going to believe it you can't take you it back once wrong. your typo's out mm-hmm. into yeah. the world as an intern I had a lot of lack of spell check situation it is so embarrassing so now i like will spell check everything like five times before i even send it to like a director to review because like when you're typing or and just like things happen so it's just like little things like that that you learn as you go learn from your mistakes so a healthy amount of paranoia (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't say paranoia but but attention to detail and just taking your time and not rushing through things and it's huge just to learn from your mistakes because if you're continuously doing the same thing yeah if you make the same mistake over and over again like yeah that's gonna be really frustrating to the people that you work with Mm -hmm. but it's okay to make mistakes like yes but not the same mistake over and over again that's what we have the directors for like it's great because they're kind of like a little bit of like a protection like they're a little bit right of multiple comfort. eyes on everything yeah because you know it, that it goes anywhere they're going to be looking at that before it goes to print but like i've made some mistakes where it's made it to development or it's made it to print and you feel like complete crap but you know for future you know you're going to check that pdf five more times and you're gonna spell check Ten more times, or just like things like that. So it's really just learning from your mistakes and being able to grow and understanding you are human and you don't have to be perfect. It's okay to make mistakes, but just be able to learn from them and not continuously make the same mistakes over and over again. Do you have any sage advice you want to offer that we didn't cover? I mean, all I would say is that internships are huge. Like, I am such a big advocate for internships, and it's like... When I was in school, I was like, okay, yeah, like, we get it. Like, internships are important. But 
the amount that I've learned through my experience here as an intern and also I interned at Towson in their creative services department just getting that experience in the professional world before you really go into it as an entry-level designer is huge because it'll make you feel more confident because you know that you are used to working in a more professional environment but it also will make people more confident in your abilities as well so I'm a huge advocate for internships as I'm sure most educators are <laughs> yes definitely um, so these two are going to ask the follow-up question how do you find internships how do you find internships that's a good question um, I know through Towson through your career center I'm sure yeah. UMBC is similar also just all the like AIGA networking events that you can go to just like figure out ways to like get out into the industry and it's like now you know me and Megan so like you're more than welcome to reach out to us about any questions that you have or just make connections as much as you can and really go the extra mile to go to different events and be able to talk to people and your professors too like they're a great resource because I know a lot of my professors were also like working professionals at agencies or companies and so they kind of know what's going on too like I got my first internship because one of my professors recommended me for it so really just develop as much relationships as you can with professionals in the field while you're in school I think is like a huge help for that all right I have one follow-up question for for Kelly you, you inadvertently stumbled upon something that I've been thinking about for a long time a while back and that is about those like quick 15-minute exercises mm -hmm. so the reason being I'm bringing this back up is in like typography we every single program across the country has one two or three levels sometimes even four levels of typography but we generally have one maybe two courses that are web related mm -hmm. and that's it so what would be like and so I was recently talking to other educators like oh my god what would we do if we did get a second web design class and we all came back to is like we would want quick short exercises and so you mentioned like a quick short exercise that like maybe was based on the like a an outcome like a key performance indicator or something like that so do you wanted to talk more about what you were thinking and I'll let you describe it first I was kind of thinking along the lines of in my typography class this semester we um, we kind of for a couple classes we just had kind of like a company idea kind of just a kind of goal in a direction and then we had to mock up kind of really quickly like let's say it was the front like of a mobile app or it was business letterhead or it was a poster something along those lines so just kind of being able to quickly work in that or um, even what you're saying, even with the digital kind of more web-based design, uh, being able to kind of mock up maybe like the front page of a website really quickly, even if it was just kind of just doing kind of color schemes or typography, um, just kind of getting more exercise of dealing with what a client's expectations are and broadening our des like design ideas. Because I feel like a lot of the time students like, when we're just kind of developing an idea, let's say like we do a project for a class and it goes really well and everyone likes it. You're like, oh yes, this turned out great. And then you find yourself for the next couple of projects doing something in that same vein of style. I feel like sometimes as a design student, like 
once we feel comfortable in something, we'll get stuck in it and kind of being pushed in other directions and other styles is, I think, would be really helpful. Yeah. The thing that this brings to mind, so I took a web design class in grad school that I was like pretty excited. It was a level two web design and it was terrible. I literally didn't learn anything. Like I kind of, it, it just wasn't very good. So like after coming out of school, I was like, well, this was supposed to give me digital skills that now I feel like I don't have. And one of the things that I came across and I can't remember exactly what it was, but I can find it was like um, a website called like daily UI and it email. Yeah. It emails you every day, like a UI design prompt and it's I think it goes for like a hundred days or something like that I didn't do a hundred days of it but I was like this is awesome because it's also I mean like you can kind of stick some of those in your portfolio if you like them and like round them out but I think that that sort of speaks to like this quick like here's a prompt let's solve it and every time you solve it you're getting a little bit better at at doing it whether it's I mean maybe sometimes it's just a wireframe and maybe sometimes it's high fidelity and yeah I think that that's for me at least it was really much more useful than the web design class that I took yeah I think that's what was missing because I've known about the daily UI and I've always wanted to do it but I felt like it's I, I like the idea of like where you said like there's a purpose to it. it's like so like daily right. UI you design a it's profile like a card yeah I would like to say like you design a profile card that increases the visibility of X, whatever right. that is. And I think that's what is missing from the daily UI in my mind that you, when you said it, it probably yeah, I think the end goal of the daily UI also mm -hmm. at the end of the day is probably to make pretty interfaces. Yes. Which is not the goal yeah. of design. It's still a good exercise. Though. Yes. It's still hugely, and everybody should be doing it. <laughs> like learning to design right. with a purpose. That's all we have time for today on episode 62 of yeah. Design EDU Today. I I want that to thank my guests, from me was the uh, co-hosts, the Lauren Spielman with married and with Kelly the exercise. and my guests, Megan Galiza and Kendall Kiernan, for being so generous with their time. I want to thank the audience for listening, and I want to thank the Design EDU Today hosting sponsor, DigitalOcean, and CDN sponsor, Fastly, for making the hosting and distribution of these podcasts possible. Finally, I want to thank the AIGA, and the AIGA Design Educators community for their generous support of my research that led to this podcast series. If you like this podcast, consider leaving a review for it in the iTunes store. To discover more about the Design EDU Today podcast and read the session notes and transcripts, visit the show website at designedu.today. To keep up with podcast news and show releases, you can visit the Facebook page and subscribe to this podcast through the iTunes or Google Play Store. Finally, if you'd like to suggest topics for future episodes or give feedback, contact me through the show's email address, hello at designedu.today. Once again, thank you for listening to Design EDU Today. Today.